You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Titus chapter 2, a familiar passage of scripture. I'm going to draw our text from verse 11 through verse 15. As I was studying this passage of scripture, my eyes jumped up to verse 10, where as Paul heard Titus, he desired that Titus would adorn, adorn the doctrine of God and of our Savior in all things. You know, there's just sometimes when you're studying the scripture, you go, now, what does that really mean? to adorn the doctrine of God and our Savior in all things. So I thought, you know, the words of God are pure and light in the eyes. I better look up what that word adorn means. It's an amazing word. You know, that's the word from which we get the word cosmetics. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you ladies used some makeup this morning? Can I see your hand? Just raise your hand if you used some makeup this morning. All right. Why did you use makeup this morning? To make you look better. <laughs> to make you more attractive. Right? That's my why my wife never needs to have cosmetics. It's called brownie points big time right there. (laughs) No, you use makeup because you want to appear more attractive. That we would adorn the doctrine of God and our Savior in all things. Why? So that we could be attractive to a lost and dying world who needs Jesus. Now our text. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, verse 11, hath appeared to all men. I'm so thankful that salvation is available to whosoever will. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, let's be attractive to the world. Let's adorn the gospel of God and our Savior in all things. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, and what's the word? Godly. That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. That beautiful song that was just sung by Ethan who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man, Titus, despise thee. I've entitled the message this morning, Eight Habits or Disciplines That Will Lead to a godly life, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust, 
we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning. Just help me to communicate the truth of your word to your people. The Father, we'd leave here adorning the, gospel, the doctrine of God and our Savior in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. When we speak about a godly life, not a real popular message title in today's world and in today's church. But when we speak about living a godly life, we're talking about living the life that God has called us to live as believers. Psalm 4 and verse 3 says this, but know, but know this, but know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. If you have a desire to live a godly life and you're seeking to pursue that life, the Bible says there is a special relationship that only the godly, only the godly, only those who have adorned themselves in the doctrine of God and our Savior in all things can have with a holy God. I want you to think about the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore and what? Teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them. Teaching them to what? Observe all things that we would adorn ourselves in the gospel of God and the doctrine of God and of the Savior in all things. Teaching them to observe all things, Jesus said, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And then the passage ends with a good amen. The word teach. The word teach is an interesting word. It means to make disciples. How do you make disciples of Christ? By teaching them to observe all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded us. I think in Acts chapter 11, we find that Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says, spent a whole year of their life and ministry in Antioch. And listen to what it says. And it came to pass that a whole year they, Paul and Barnabas, assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. So what was the focus of their ministry? Teaching. The focus of their ministry was to make disciples. The follow-through of the Great Commission. More than just sharing the gospel and leading people to Christ, it was discipling them to observe all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded us. So they taught much people. I thought this was interesting. It just kind of jumped off of the page to me, and it says, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. You say, what is a Christian? Many would say a Christian is someone who has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. No, that is not a Christian. That's a believer. There's a lot of believers who aren't Christians. 
What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who is committed to observing all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded us. That's what a Christian is. That's why they were called by the world Christians at Antioch. Paul and Barnabas' focus of their ministry was to make Christians. Did I lose you somewhere there? What is my job as a pastor? <clears throat> to teach you. My job is to make you Christians. And they were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? Because they adorned themselves in the doctrine of God and of the Savior in all things. So in my calling as a pastor to make you Christians, I want you to understand this, that God has called each and every one of us who are believers to live a holy life. We sang the song, Holy, Holy, Holy this morning. The Bible says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. <clears throat> For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. How many of you here are believers in Christ? Can I see your hand? Okay, as a believer in Christ, you have been called to live a holy life. And so part of my ministry is to encourage you in this area. The Bible said, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling and put on the new man which God has created in righteousness and true holiness. What manner of persons are ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? I could go on and on and on. The Bible has clearly called us as believers to live a holy life, to be Christians. The Bible also says that God has called us to live a sanctified life. A sanctified life. You see, what does it mean to be sanctified? It simply means to be set apart as unto the Lord. That we have really taken our lives and we've just 100% given them to the Lord and we've just separated ourselves as unto the Lord. The Bible said, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Boy, there's a sanctifying effect that this word has in our lives. Give me an amen. That's why Satan is doing his dead level best to keep us out of this book. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that everyone, that every, all of us here, all of us as believers, that everyone should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. We have been called to a holy life. We have been called to live a sanctified life. And my ministry is to make you Christians in both of those areas. The Bible also says that as a believer in Christ, it is God's will for us to live a fully surrendered and yielded life. A holy life, 
a sanctified life, a surrendered life, and a yielded life. The Bible says, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness? For as ye have yielded your members as servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. The Bible couldn't make it any clearer. As a believer, we are called to be holy, for he is holy. We are called to live a sanctified life because he is sanctified. We have been called to live a life that is completely, 100% in every area, yielded and surrendered like Jesus' life was. Not my will, but thine be done. This is really the adorning of the doctrine of God and of our Savior in all things. I believe this with all my heart, especially for any of you that have said under my ministry for any length of time, that every one of us here who are believers, we know that we should live a godly life. Yes or no? We know that we should live a holy life. We know that we should live a sanctified life. We know that we should live a surrendered life and a yielded life to God. We know that. So what is keeping us from doing that? Another one of those quiet mornings. How can we live out that calling? Holiness, sanctification, yieldedness. Is it even possible for you and I to live that kind of life? If it is, then, then how can we live a godly life in such an ungodly world? And by the way, if you haven't noticed, the world is getting more ungodly every day. Amen. The sinfulness that we have to put up with while we live in this unholy world. No wonder the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. Yes. This know also that in the last days, and I believe we're there. If you don't think we're there, there's something wrong with you. You better get your prophetic glasses on. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Boy, are we in perilous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Listen how this describes the current day and age in which we live. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, sodomites, truce breakers, false acute liars, incontinent, no self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, others having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, 
Paul says, from such, turn away. Dear the beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain, abstain from fleshly abstinence. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your own soul. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The vast majority of believers today, in my opinion, are really struggling when it comes to living a godly life. I really believe that. I believe we're struggling hard. Many of us have basically given up trying to live a godly life in an ungodly world, and we have pretty much just embraced carnality as the norm. I want you to understand something. Carnality among God's people is never the norm. In many cases, those who really desire to please the Lord with their lives seem to be totally on their own, without much support or little encouragement. Jesus said these words, Because iniquity, iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That is in Matthew chapter 24, which is all about the signs of the end times. So I thought about this, I couldn't help but think about Lot. Was Lot a saved man? Yes or no? Saved man. It says, for that righteous man, positionally he was righteous, but practically, not so. For that righteous man dwelling among them, a righteous man in an unrighteous world. For that righteous man dwelling among them, this is in seeing and hearing. You don't think that the things that you see and the things that you hear don't affect you? For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed, his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot failed. He failed big time to live soberly, righteously, and godly in his present world. Let me ask you a question. Could he have lived soberly, righteously, and godly? In that ungodly environment? Absolutely. But by the grace of God. Many of us have done the same thing that Lot did. We have failed. I'm so thankful for God's love, grace, and mercy in the face of our failure. 
So while many of us are not living out our calling, that holy, sanctified, surrendered, godly life, I also believe that for the most part, I really think that we do want to live that way. I mean, even for those of you who have pretty much given up on living a godly life in an ungodly world, deep down in your heart, I really believe you want to live that way. (laughs) I mean, that's a desire that the Holy Spirit puts within us. He is the spirit of sanctification. I think that most of you want to experience the rewards of living a godly life. David, man after God's own heart, said these words, Verily there is a reward for the righteous. Do you believe that? Maybe the reason that we're not living the way that we should is because we really don't believe that. But there is a reward for the righteous. Yes, it is possible to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Paul wrote to Philippians, he said, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. He did not say work for your salvation. You can't work for it, but we certainly can work it out with all fear and trembling. And then he says this, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Once you determine that you're going to work out your salvation, you're going to work out this holy living thing. You're going to work out this sanctified life. You're going to work out this surrendered, yielded life. I'm, going to, I'm here to tell you, God comes along and works with you to accomplish that. You know this verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust so live soberly righteously and godly that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service What we do habitually has a tremendous influence and effect on whether or not we live a godly life. I'm going to say that again. What we do habitually has a tremendous influence and effect on whether or not we live a godly life. I want you to, come on. I want you to stop and think about what you do habitually. That's why Paul said habitually, I die daily. I have to die to myself. Jesus said, whosoever committeth sin, just habitually commits sin, is a servant of sin. 
what you do habitually has an enormous effect on whether or not you live a godly life. What is a habit? Some of you have some bad habits, like sleeping in church. Bad habit. A habit definition is a reoccurring and often subconscious pattern of behavior that is acquired through frequent repetition. There are some habits, some disciplines that we need to build in our lives if we are going to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so for the rest of the message this morning, I want to deal with eight of these disciplines or these habits that we need to build into our life. If you do these eight things, you will find yourself being able to live a holy, sanctified, and surrendered life. So you should probably write these down because you're probably not going to remember them. Number one is a life lived in prayer. Where would we be without prayer? Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. This constant, daily, habitual practice of praying was so modeled in the life of the Lord Jesus. Do you know there were times when the crowds and he, even his own disciples could not understand why he would leave the ministry when the demands were so great upon him, when there were crowds of people following him, when he could have been engaged in ministry to people and taking care of people and meeting people's needs and preaching the gospel. Listen to what is said of the Lord Jesus. In the morning, he would rise up a great while before day, before the sun would even rise. He would rise up early in the morning and he would go out and he would depart and find a solitary place and there he would pray to his father. Disciples didn't understand this. The crowds certainly didn't understand it. But I want to tell you something. Prayer promotes godliness. You will never be a godly Christian without developing a habitual pattern of prayer. I'm not talking about an occasional flare prayer like, okay, I'm in trouble and I need God's help. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a consistent daily conversation with the Father that stems out of your love for him, for all he has done and is doing in your life. Not that you look at it, Phil hit this in Sunday school, not that you deal with it as a duty, but you say, this is a delight. My prayer time is a delight. The disciples saw that Jesus' prayer life was so different than the religious elite of his day who prayed only to be heard and seen of men. <clears throat> that they were so impressed with the prayer life of the Lord Jesus, they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? You want to live a godly life? You better get down this daily habitual practice of praying. Give me an amen. amen. 
Boy, do we ever live in a world full of temptation, full of trials. People call me every week, sometimes several times during the week, asking me, Pastor, would you pray? I'm going through this trial, or this has happened, or this is gone. Pastor, would you pray for me? The trials, the temptations, the heartaches, the burdens, the sin. An intimate prayer life has to become a priority with each and every one of us. We, listen to me, we have got to stay connected with the Father. Psalm 32, verse 6, For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. You know what all godly Christians do? They pray. You know what that tells me? You can't be godly without it. So number one is prayer. Aren't you glad we got through that in 10 minutes? Number two is living by faith. Kind of tied together, aren't they? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Walk by faith and not by sight. As I stopped and really thought about this faith producing, Prayer life produces godliness. Faith produces godliness. I, be, I begin to think, listen, my faith is in a person. And why is my faith in that person? The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. That's why my faith is in that person. My God, and my wife mentioned this to me this morning, and she came, she sat down by me, and she read a text that she had received late into the night last night, reminding me, Dan, God is in control. Boy, do we lose sight of that, huh? And when we lose sight of that fact, Godliness is gone from our life. But our God does control everything. Not only what happens, but he controls why it happens. His sovereignty, his sovereignty ruleth over all. You know what? That is the foundation of my faith. If you don't believe that, you're not going to live a godly life. And I begin to think about this. The only option left to us, if, we're, if we don't believe that he is a sovereign God and in control of all things that are happening in our lives and that his kingdom ruleth over all, the only option that we have to living by faith is to live in fear and worry. So how do you want to live? A godly life isn't a life that's just controlled by Fear and worry. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Thou rulest over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and we praise thy glorious name. Be anxious for what? 
Don't be fearful. Don't be worried. Don't fret. Be anxious for nothing. You know why? Because our God is in control. I'm not always in control, are you? But my God is always in control. The evidence that faith is lacking in our lives is when we begin to fear. My wife also said this to me this morning. At least she listens once in a while when I preach. She said, Dan, you're always preaching on fear not. The 365 fear nots. You know why we don't have to fear? Because we have a God who's still on the throne. Give me an amen. He has not vacated it. Hallelujah. Number three. We want to live a godly life. We have to have a disciplined prayer life. We have to have that, that faith in our sovereign God. Number three is that we need to live a life of meditation on God's word. I've preached on this many times. David said, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, my soul followeth hard after thee. You know what happens when you really meditate on Scripture? And you stop and think about this. Meditation, you can meditate on a doctrine of Scripture. You can meditate on a passage of Scripture. You can meditate on a verse in Scripture. And you could also meditate just on a word in Scripture. Blessed is the man that walketh not. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lust. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, not listening to you, nor standeth in the way of sinners, not going along with sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of those who are scorning the Lord. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth this fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Listen, the ungodly are not so. You know what that means? The godly are so. The discipline of a prayer life the living out of our faith, the meditation on Scripture. Remember the sheep and the rumination and the four different compartments in the stomach, just chewing on it. Hey, you can meditate on a message too. Some of you are really good at meditating on the message. You can tell that because your eyes seldom open. I'm just believing you're meditating. <laughs> Let me say this. You hear a lot about meditation today. But I'm here to tell you, meditation on anything other than this book right here is of the devil. Boy, how, how Satan can mimic the things of God. 
Meditation will keep you alert. It will keep you sensitive to the Lord and what he wants to do in your life. So important to have that private prayer closet that Jesus spoke about. And I'm telling you one thing, what meditation does is keep us from thinking and our, and our minds being dominated by the philosophies of this world. Cast down those imaginations through your meditation on Scripture. Bring every thought into the captivity of Christ through your meditation on Scripture. Think on these things through the meditation of Scripture. You listen, I'm here to tell you, you can't live a godly life without a prayer life, without putting your full faith in the Lord, and without meditation. Number four. Obedience to God. A life lived in obedience. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments. Hmm, doesn't that sound like the Great Commission? Teaching them to observe what? All things whatsoever I have commanded you. And to observe and to do all of his commandments, which I command thee this day, watch, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. I believe this in a similar way. You know, the Bible says there are those who are spiritual and there's those that are carnal is here. The carnal life is here. It's a lower life. The spiritual life is here. Wednesday night we sang the song, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. Get out of the pit. Get out of that worldly lust pit. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay, he set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth. Remember I said earlier, what kills the song? You know what kills it is disobedience to God. You're here and you're living a disobedient life. The song, making that melody in your heart unto the Lord, it's gone. You have to actually force yourself to sing or you don't sing at all. My dad used to always say, it looked like you're sucking on sour persimmons. Not ever sucked on a sour persimmon. But it is like some of you, like, we passed out the lemons in church. Remember when your kids were little and they didn't know what a lemon was? Remember that? And they're like, you want a lemon? Here you go. And they pucker all up and how many, do, how many did that to their kids? You child abusers. <laughs> Sometimes I look out there and I see the same looks on your faces. 
Now, I'm not talking about being a Pharisee where you're up here condemning others and looking down at others. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living above the world. God has a much higher plane for us to live on. Let's get the song back. Number five. It's a life lived in the filling of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how many times have I preached on the filling of the Holy Spirit? You may be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but that does not mean you are filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. To be filled is a continuous action. It means keep on being filled. Never stop being filled. Never stop being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Never stop relying upon him. Back to Phil's Sunday school lesson this morning. Never stop relying on him for your empowerment, for your strength, for him to teach you and guide you and lead you. This I say, walk in the Spirit. Be Spirit-filled. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You cannot live a godly life without being a Spirit-filled Christian. Comes back to walking in obedience. Teach them to observe all things. Why? Because Jesus desires us to have a Spirit-filled life. Shall not I give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Start asking. And he'll start giving. Number six is a life lived in giving to God and others. You cannot live a godly life without giving. It's impossible. Give and it shall be. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. When we don't give, and by prompted by the Holy Spirit to give, when we don't give, we are demonstrating, first of all, we really don't love God. For God so loved the world that he what? Not only do we not love God, we're not trusting him. We're not living that life by faith. Give and it shall be given you. How many believe that? Then why aren't we givers? You cannot live a godly life without giving. He which sow sparingly will reap also sparingly. God loveth a cheerful giver. Have I not showed you all things? How that laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to what? How many believe that? Then why aren't we giving? It's a lack of love, lack of faith. Number seven. is a life lived in forgiveness of others. 
for four weeks on Wednesday nights. We've been talking about anger and bitterness and unconditional forgiveness. And I, want, I want to tell you something. God has been doing an amazing work in individuals' lives. Usually I don't hear back from you as to how God is working in your life through the messages that are brought. Occasionally someone will say on the way out the door, thank you, Pastor, I bless my heart today. Or, that was a good message today. But I cannot remember the last time that we had such a positive response. I mean walls coming down, reconciliations taking place, people getting right with God. Has been happening in our Wednesday night services. Forgiveness isn't easy. Boy, oh boy, have I heard, have I ever heard from you all? Forgiveness is never easy. I've, 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 some of the stories that have been told to me over these past few weeks of some of the things that our fellowship has had to go through individually and collectively. I'm just like, how can people be so mean? Forgiveness is never easy, but listen, you can't live a godly life without forgiving. Remember what we've learned? If we don't forgive, we won't be what? Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Oh, it's easy for your heart to get hard towards those who hurt you so deeply. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. You know what? Only God can do a work like that. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You cannot live soberly, righteously, and godly without forgiving anyone and everyone who has trespassed against you. Number eight. We want to live a godly life. We have to live a life in church. We have to live a life in church. Hmm. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it what? Not like I've never preached on this issue before. Oh, how our country has changed. Now many of our men are being forced to work on the Lord's Day. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. 
I guess the more secular we become, the more this goes out the window. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. You look back at the history of America. You know what they always called Sunday? You always, always called it what? Sabbath. This is Sabbath day. Now, I'm not, I'm celebrating my birthday tonight. I'm only 58. Now, compared to Pastor Peterson, I am a young buck. And I know Pastor Peterson. I know, I know you can remember this. Jerry, you can remember this. You didn't go anywhere on Sunday. It shut down. Gas stations closed. Restaurants closed. Couldn't go to the store. It was shut down. One of my favorite TV shows is uh, Andy Griffith. I'm sorry. I just like Andy Griffith. I love Lucy. Hogan's Heroes. Bonanza. <laughs> Some of these kids are going... I always remember watching an Andy Griffith one time, and I mean, all Mayberry is shut down. <laughs> and this businessman runs, run, comes into town with a broken down car. Can't find anyone because everyone's in church. How many have ever heard about the constable? You know what used to be their job? Going around town, making sure everybody was in church making sure there were no businesses open. Sabbath laws. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughters, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and, on the, and in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed it, the Sabbath day. I want to tell you something. You cannot live a godly life and stay out of church. not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner, the habit. Remember, we're talking about eight habits, eight disciplines. As the habit of some is. There's some that are just in the habit. Some of you here this morning, you're in, that, you're in the habit of coming on Sunday morning, but you're not in the habit of coming on Sunday night.
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Did they eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart? I really, really want you to think about saying, I need to start coming to church Sunday night. First of all, let me say this. You're involved in one of our ministries here in the church. You ought to be in church. As we close this morning, what changes do you need to make in your life so that you can live that godly life? And don't tell me that there's nothing that needs to be changed. You purpose to change it, watch out, because God will get a hold of it. A life of prayer, a life lived in faith a life lived in meditation on God's word, a life lived in obedience to the Lord, a life lived in the filling of the Holy Spirit, a life lived in giving to God and others, a life lived in forgiveness and a life lived in church. Guarantee you 100%. You start developing these habits, these disciplines, and you will live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.